0: man, what an incredible, incredible way to start our year, man. It has been a long several weeks looking forward to tonight. I got to say, when we uh, took a break back in December, I was kind of excited for a little bit of a break. And then it wasn't but a few weeks in where I was like, all right, I'm ready to get us all back in here. And so uh, I am very, very pumped about tonight, very, very pumped about where we're going for the next uh, few months, actually. If, you, if I haven't met you, my name's Austin. I get to be a part of this with everybody. And um, I am really, really privileged to not only get to preach, but I get to lead alongside other people in this ministry. And I just want to kind of say up top that if you're new with us and maybe you're looking to get more involved... Man, Our heart is not just that you would have a service to attend here, but that you would be a part of a family here. We say a lot that we want to be a home away from home, and home isn't home unless you know the people there and you feel like you can belong there. And so that takes relationships. And so we just want to help kind of make that happen, and there's a few ways that we do that. One is you can serve here with us. I know as you walked in, you probably saw some beautiful people holding beautiful signs, you know. Did you you resonate with any of the signs? How about the one that said, I skipped homework to be here? Is that anybody? That was one of them, so maybe you resonate with that one. But there's people holding doors, people passing out things, people welcoming first-time guests, and those are people that serve on what we call Dream Team. And so uh, we'd love to invite you to that if that's something you want to be a part of. Or we have small groups that meet. We call them Connect Groups. And so those are launching back. And many of them have already launched. And so we'd love to help you get connected into that. And you can do that by, uh, you can go on our website and sign up and get some information. I think all the Linktree stuff is on our Instagram if you do that. Or um, out in the lobby, there's a Next Steps table. And that's kind of a good way to get a lot of that information as well. I do want to let you know that um, I think it's Friday, January 26th. So next, yeah, next week, um, we're doing a little bit of a bonfire because we're just going to soak up the cold weather—it's a little chilly out there right now, so hopefully it's not that cold. But we're going to do a bonfire. If anybody wants to come, actually here on our property, we've got a little bonfire pit. Uh, where am I? At? I think out this way, and so we'll be out there. And we'll give you some more details um, next Wednesday, getting up to that. But I want you to go ahead and mark your calendars for that. All right, y'all ready, man? Um, I one of the reasons why I love January. Is, maybe you know, is because I get to hear from everybody about their New Year's resolutions. People, people setting New Year's resolutions. People got new goals, new dreams for themselves, new like ambitions for who they're going to become. And I love to hear that kind of stuff. And I've, I basically learned there's two different kinds of people. You've got people who love to make New Year's resolutions and love to follow them, and then you've got people who have tried them and realized they're not very good at it, and they ended up end up failing most of the time, and so they just don't even even do it anymore. You know, is that is in the second category? Anybody in the second category, you just don't even mess with it anymore. You're like, I'm done with New Year. Okay, cool. I'm glad some of you are being honest. Anybody already failed on your 2024 New Year's resolutions? Come on, you can be honest. Be vulnerable here. Perfect. Hey, you're welcome here. It's okay. Let's just set new ones starting in February, okay? Um, I, I, I got to be honest. I'm actually pretty excited and, and I guess I could say <laughs> proud of myself. Kind of a weird thing to say, but like I'm kind of proud of myself for for what I'm anticipating and what I've kind of set out to do for 2024. Um, I'm not by any means like a life coach, or like I don't know that I'm doing this right, but I'm proud of myself because I've made some changes to how I do New Year's resolutions, and so far I'm 17 days in and it's working. And so uh, maybe like you, I've I've made some kind of commitments and some goals for my eating habits. Anybody, you've got some goals for that? Okay. Maybe you don't. I'm, when you're 18, 19 years old is not a huge deal. When you're 35 like me, you know, some things happen in your thirties and it's time to really get disciplined with your eating. So I'm going all in with uh, some new eating habits in 2024. And what I realized is that typically, you know, I'll start a year off with like, all right, I'm going to go all year without eating any sugar. And I get like two weeks in and I fail miserably. I don't know why I'm, I talk like that, but that's kind of my voice whenever I set New Year's resolutions. I'm going to go all in and not have a single soda all year. Anybody, anybody gone a whole year without soda? it's amazing. Come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to hear your tips. Uh, Because I tried that and I failed miserably at that too. I was was in for like two weeks and then the cravings happened and I had to get a Coke, you know? And so what I've learned this year, I'm starting my my new New Year's resolutions. And here's kind of what I just decided. And like I said, I'm not a life coach. I'm not really sure if this is the right way to do it. But what I decided is, all right, if you look at 365 days in a year, that is a long time. I think so. That's a long time. And I am just not convinced that I can do anything for 365 days. Like, like that is a, I, so I just started to view a year as like, I'm running a marathon race here, right? This is not a sprint, this is gonna be a marathon. And so what I decided to do is instead of like, all right, let's go all year with this. I just said, you know what? Here's what I'm gonna do for January. And I think I, 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 I can reach it, like it's attainable. And then when I get to the end of January, Then I'll reevaluate, and maybe I just turn the knob up a little bit on the intensity, and we'll see where I go with February. And then at the end of that, we'll kind of adjust intensity if I need to, and maybe we go March. And maybe maybe I'll get to the end of the year, but right now, let's just focus on January. Can anybody just encourage me and say, that's a good idea, Austin? Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Because I'm questioning myself. But so far, 17 days in, I'm feeling pretty proud of myself. But it all started with me really deciding, you know what, this thing... This is a marathon. This is a marathon, like I am going on a long journey here. This thing is not gonna be over in just a few days or even a few weeks, but this is a long journey. And if you've been around us for a little while, you know that, that really we're passionate about a few things. Rachel talked about one of them. She said, Jesus is better. We're passionate that Jesus is better than anything else in your life. We're passionate about that. And one of the other things that we say a lot, and the reason why we make it a core value for us, we say faith is a journey. We say faith is a journey, but growth is possible because Jesus is better. And the reason why faith is a journey is a core value for us is because this, we realize That faith is hopefully a marathon for you. I mean, have you ever thought about this? Like if you're 20 years old here in the room tonight um, and and you live to be 85, that's a long time. and, And, you know, we don't have any promise of tomorrow. I get that. But let's just say you live to be 85. Then you've got how many years of following Jesus left? Good job. 65 years. I mean, mean, if you're 20 years old and you live to be 85, you you have 65 years left of following Jesus. That is a marathon. And that's amazing. Like, I, I hope that's true. I hope we all have 65 years left of following Jesus. And the reason why that is important is to embrace that you've got a marathon in front of you. It's because I talk a lot to people who sit down in my office or who I just kind of talk with and they end up saying something like, like, man, I'm just so discouraged by where I'm at in my faith journey. Or they're beating themselves up or they're just kind of hanging their head down because because they're upset with their lack of progress and they're upset of where they're at on the journey. And, and part of me, I want to join them and say, okay, well, you know, let's figure out where maybe why you're not where you think you should be. Or let's, let's talk through some of that stuff. That stuff matters. But, but the primary, my primary approach to that conversation is typically something like this. Hey, take a deep breath and just Relax. Like I know you're fired up about following Jesus and you're upset at yourself because maybe you're not where you think you should be or you don't, you don't see the progress that you think you should have, but just relax. I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but just relax. Listen, you got 65 years, hopefully, or, or I don't know what you have, but what I know this is that your three months or two months of maybe struggling to read the Bible Or you're one year of your life of struggling to read the Bible or not really sensing like God being near to you in your prayer life. God God is not like up in heaven unraveling because of your two months of struggling with scripture. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not up there going, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Austin cannot figure out for the last six weeks how to get up early in the morning and pray to me. The whole world is falling apart. I promise you, that's not God's posture towards you. And, and please hear me. I'm not saying don't take your faith seriously. I'm not saying, like, relax, don't take your faith serious, just kind of go with it, and however it comes, it comes. No, I'm not saying that. Now, listen, I believe this with all my heart. Please hear me. Now is the time where you're at right now. Now is the time to take your faith serious. And to lean in and to go hard and say, God, what do you have for me? What does it look like for a college student or a young adult to follow Jesus? I'm all in. Now is the time to do that. So I'm not saying go casual with faith or become a casual Christian. I'm saying this. Relax on the condemnation of yourself. Not relax on your commitment, but relax on the condemnation. The ebbs and flows of faith are part of the journey. And really what we're talking about when we talk about faith is a journey is that the process of maturing in faith is a journey. The process of maturing in your faith is that it is a journey. But here's the key distinction. Maturity has to be the desire. Maturity has to be the desire. I want to open up a few scriptures and read to us tonight. The first one is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can write that down and go read the full chapter sometime later. This is the famous wedding chapter love is patient, love is kind, all those different descriptions of love. But after that, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes. And if you read all of Paul's letters and all of his writings, he talks a lot about the process of maturing, the process of maturity. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood Behind me. Okay, so when I was a child, I felt like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Paul here is talking about maturing in faith. That there's a difference between being a child in faith and being a mature adult in faith. That there is a maturing process here. Earlier, if you read back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he talks about how um, some, some are babies in the faith and so they need milk. And then he says, as they mature, they need something more than milk. They need meat. And so he talks about how we need different things at different stages of our maturity. And then in the book of Ephesians, this is where I kind of want to read a little bit more here tonight. In Ephesians chapter four, he's writing this letter to the church of Ephesus. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. I want to read four verses. He says this, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, if you've been around Connection Church, you know this is our mission statement, that we we exist to connect and equip you, to connect, equip, and sin. And we get this from Ephesians 4. We want to equip the saints for ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into, what's the next word? Growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. So Paul says we want to mature. We want to mature. And then this is, I want to lean into what does that mean, maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. So I want to look at one more scripture in the book of Colossians. Paul's writing here in the book of Colossians chapter 2. And he says in verse 6, he says this. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful though. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. So anchor yourself to Christ and his teachings and not anything else. Then it says this, for the entire world, Fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. So that's pretty exciting. But then it gets even more exciting. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. So Christ carries the fullness of God. And then you, once you become a believer, when you have bowed your knee to him and you have accepted Jesus and you have received his gift of salvation and all that he has to offer, once that has happened, then now the fullness of Christ has come over you. And you now, you now are possessed by the fullness of Christ. So the fullness of God is in Christ and then the fullness of Christ is now in you. That's amazing. So we now have access, the fullness of Christ, the power of his cross and resurrection and the power to to defeat our sin and have victory over our sin and to live according to him. Now the fullness of Christ rests on us and those who are followers of him. So this is amazing. When you gave your life to Jesus, he filled you. And so hear me closely. The question is not, has Christ filled me? He has. The question is, does Christ flow through me? It's not has he filled you, it's does he flow through you? So the the problem here, hear me closely, the problem is not the filling, it's the flowing. If you are a believer in Jesus, the problem is not the filling, Christ and his fullness now indwells you. The problem is the flowing. Because not all of who Christ is that has indwelt us comes out of us. At least if you're honest, which I hope you are in here tonight, because not all of who Christ is and not all of how he has dwelled me comes out of me all of the time. And so hear me, I'm trying to paint a picture here and get us back to maturity. The journey of him flowing through you and out of you. The journey of that, the journey of him permeating every bit of me, that is the journey of maturity. We have been filled by him, but is he flowing through us? And it is God's desire for you as his disciple to mature in your faith, every single one of us. If I were to ask you this, if I were to ask you, what are the marks of maturity just in life in general? Like, how do, how do you know if someone is a mature person? Why don't you take 10 seconds and tell your neighbor, what is a mark of maturity in somebody that you know, or, or what's, what's a mark of maturity? Go ahead, tell somebody. I wish I could hear. I wish I could hear. All right. So, so maybe, maybe a, um, maybe a mark of maturity in just, in just life in general, like someone matures, has a mark of maturity in their life when they're able to live by themselves. Like when they're able to live like away from their parents, I'm not saying they choose to, I'm just saying they can, <laughs> like they can live by themselves. Anybody say that? No? Okay. Uh, maybe a mark of maturity is at, at some point they can financially support themselves. Is that a mark of maturity? Maybe. You guys are like, no, no way, man. Not doing that, right? I, I don't know. I'm just asking. Like, marks of maturity. How about this? How about, like, they are able to sustain meaningful relationships, I liked that one when I came up with that one. I feel like that's a, that's a mark of maturity because here's the thing. If you're immature and, and you just love the gossip about other people, then eventually that just stirs up a lot of drama. And you know what? You're not going to be able to keep any kind of meaningful relationships because you're immature, right? So a mark of maturity is that you can sustain meaningful relationships. Now, if I were to ask you to tell your neighbor, what is a mark of a spiritually mature person? Don't do it. But I think that one's a little bit harder, isn't it? What, is the, what are the marks of a spiritually mature person? I think there's like probably a couple of different ways to answer that. But, but I think the thing that was clear to me as I was thinking through this is, is I think we can rally around the fruit of the spirit with this. So one of the marks of maturity is that when someone begins to be uh, like their natural kind of uh, their na- natural inclination, their natural just countenance, that, that is more marked by the fruit of the spirit than the fruit of the flesh. So we can look at the fruit of the spirit. You guys familiar with the scripture in, in Galatians chapter five? It's kind of a famous passage. I'll just read it to you. Galatians, Galatians chapter five, verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit, contrary to the fruit of the flesh is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, anybody want those things in your life? Anybody want the person you're dating to have those things in their life? Yeah, right? Love, joy, peace. like, like those are the kinds of things that we want in our life. And here's the cool thing, is that that is what the Spirit of God desires to produce in us. And so someone who is maturing in their faith is growing in the evidence of the fruit of the spirit. And we often refer to this as transformation. Like someone has really changed. And maybe you've seen this in yourself. Maybe you've seen it in a friend. So I'm going to be kind of, you know, professor again tonight, which typically doesn't work out well for me. But Maybe you've seen someone mature over time. Like you, you start here. This is your moment of salvation. This is when you came into relationship with Christ and so things start new. you got a new heart right here. And then along the journey of following Jesus, you start to notice, man, I'm not the same person. Like, like God, is, God is changing me. Like I remember back in the day I used to be controlled or just like riddled with fear fear of the future, fear of who am I going to marry or am I going to get married, fear of is this class going to work out, is this degree going to work out, just tons of fear that brought on anxiety. And maybe it wasn't pre-Jesus. Maybe, honestly, it's just been since you've been following Jesus, that's you. But now you're down here, and if you're honest, you're like, man, like God has transformed me. I can now say confidently that his peace is growing in me. Like I just I have a more more sense of peace in my life than I used to. That's amazing. Like like we want that, right? Maybe you're sitting, another one I thought about is maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, I used to, I remember that, like, I used to just be controlled by bitterness and rage toward people who I knew talked poorly about me or spread rumors about me. And I used to just blow up at that because it made me so angry. And yet over time, now as I follow Jesus, I can't really explain how it's happened. I just know that now on this journey of maturing in faith, which is an everlasting process of maturing now now I can honestly say, man, I have a, a lot of love even for my enemies. Even for those who talk bad about me. Even for those who do things differently than I think they should do. Man, like back in the day, even if it was after Jesus, I used to really struggle with just being controlled by, by lust used to really just be dominated by lustful thoughts. But now I can say over time, the process of maturing, that I'm a person who has a lot more self-control. Like the, the fruit of the spirit are being worked out in me in the process of maturity. And we've seen transformation. Hopefully you've seen something like this in your own life. Now, this is where I'm about to blow your mind. And honestly, it's a little bit of bad news. Okay, so just buckle up real quick. But it's important that we understand this because you can see a lot of maturity in some ways. Maybe you've seen maturity in peace, like you just have a different peaceful spirit about you. Maybe you've seen maturity in love and self control. But then you look up and you think about your joy. Joy is a fruit. And if you're honest, you're like, I feel like I'm going backwards. Like there was a time in my life, maybe back here, where I felt like I experienced more of the joy of the Lord. But, but now, man, now I'm fighting depression. Now I feel like there's so much dread in my life. Now I feel like I'm not excited about anything in my life. I'm not excited about following the Lord. I mean, I've got some self-control down. I've got peace and love. That seems to be maturing. But why does joy seem like it's going backwards? I mean, can I just be honest with you about my life real quick? As I look back on my life, I've been following Jesus, you know, it's been a roller coaster of a ride, but really since I was 10 years old, 25 years. And as I look back on my life, there are things that I have matured in. There's things that I can honestly say I don't feel mature in. I mean, I'm standing before you here right now, and I can say that in the past even few years, I feel like like God has been maturing me in my self-control in different ways and that's just been something that I can look back and go thank you Jesus that you are doing that in me but if I'm really honest I think I think I struggle now more with gentleness than I used to I don't know if it's just kind of the product of life and having kids and sometimes it just feels like life is chaotic and sometimes I just kind of react to things like quickly but I mean I think honestly if you look back on, on me when I, 5 years ago At least I would say I think I was a more gentle person. And I'm not happy with that. Like I'm grateful that God's matured me in self-control, but I'm not very happy that I'm not a a more gentle. I'm going backwards in gentleness. But here's the key thing I want you to get. That's part of the journey. I'm not happy with it. I'm, I'm honestly not satisfied with it. But I can say, you know what? That's part of the journey. It's part of the journey that these things would exist together in the same world. That God produces, hear me closely, hear me closely. God produces all the fruit in you. His spirit produces these fruits in you. But not always at the same strength and tenacity. you hear what I'm saying? So they don't all grow together. That God matures some fruit in you at different rates and different times. And the reason why that is important for you to understand is because if you don't understand this, when you start seeing yourself going backwards in something, then you will likely throw your hands up and go, what is happening? Like, what's going on? Am I even a Christian anymore? Like, I, I thought God was producing all these things in me, but now I feel like I'm going backwards in this. Like, like, what is going on? And you may just completely bail on things. And I'm here to tell you tonight that maturity is a journey. And the Holy Spirit produces all the fruits, but not always at the same tenacity and strength. Now, just like me and, and you know, the gentleness thing, I'm not making excuses for my lack of gentleness. And I don't think you should make excuses for your going backwards or your lack of whatever. Like, I don't think you can just sit here and go, yeah, you know, I just lack self-control. So I'm just a lust monster and everybody just needs to deal with it because I just lack self-control. But, you know, God will grow me up one day. No, 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 that's not cool. In fact, what happens is I realize where I'm lacking and it drives me to fall on my face before God and beg him to mature me in the things where I am lacking. Lord, grow the fruit of self-control in me. Lord, grow the fruit of gentleness in me. But then I'm forced to ask the question, and I'm getting somewhere, I promise. I'm gonna land the plane here. I'm forced to ask the question, how does God mature us? Like if, if his goal and desire for each of us is that we mature, that we all go on a, a journey... We go on a journey of maturity. How does he mature us? How does that process take place? And I think we first have to look, honestly, at what Jesus says. I want to read to you what Jesus says in John chapter 15. Because it ties straight into what we have already talked about with fruit. Okay? Jesus says this in John chapter 15. If you remain in me, and I in you, Another translation says, if you abide in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains in the vine, then neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. So the one who remains in me, the one who abides in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So Jesus is saying, listen, you do not have the ability to produce the fruit that we just said, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You cannot produce that on your own. You must abide in him and stay close to him and be intimate with him so that he can produce that in you. So you wonder a lot of times why you show up and preachers like me or or your small group leader or whatever, they harp on, you guys reading your Bible, you guys praying. And I don't mean to harp on you and there's no judgment, but I think it's important that we just consistently remind you of that. Because if you're not remaining in him, abiding in him, then you cannot produce fruit. That's the only way that fruit gets produced is by abiding and having intimacy with the Father. So here's my big point, though. Here's where I'm going with, all, with tonight and the next few weeks. When asking the question, how do I mature and produce fruit? Here's where I'm going for the next few weeks. Here is the answer. Different fruits are produced in different seasons. Different fruits are produced in different seasons. And this is imperative. This is massive for you to understand. When is the harvest time for fruit? You know, each fruit that comes from a tree has a harvest time. I'm not a, um, I don't do like agriculture. I think I wrote this down because I did the research. I'm not an agronomist agronomist, there it is, agronomist, that's the word. I'm not an agronomist, but I did some research, and here's what I discovered, that in the summertime, one of the fruits that you want to harvest during the summer are peaches. Anybody enjoy peach every now and then? You get into late summer, you get into fall, that's when you want to start harvesting apples from an apple tree. You get around the fall, you get in winter, and you get through spring. That's when you want to start harvesting oranges. See, each fruit gets harvested in a different season. And here's where I'm going with the next few weeks. God matures you and me by taking us through different seasons of the soul. God will intentionally take you and I through different seasons of the soul in order to produce different fruit. Now, notice I'm saying different seasons of the soul. I'm not saying different seasons of life. I'm not saying stages of life. Like you're in a stage, you're you know, a college student or you're a young adult. And then one day you get into a stage where you're a young adult with, you know, married. And then one day, you know, whatever, like the stages. I'm not saying that. I'm saying different seasons of the soul God will take you through. So I want you to imagine that on this journey of maturity here, that you are more like sitting in this circle... And we've got spring up here, we've got summer here, we've got fall here, and we've got winter here. And that along the journey of maturity, this circle is just rolling. And you are rolling with this ball through the journey of maturity. And as you roll with it, you encounter different seasons of maturity. The soul. So spring and summer. Spring and summer seasons are often defined by kind of, man, these are incredible spiritual times of life. You often find new believers. You know, in the spring season, because what happens in spring, new things get sprouted up, right? New things come to life. This is you. If you become a follower of Jesus, you come to life. It's spring. Everything is beautiful. It's amazing. Spring and summer is often defined by, like, man, I open my Bible, and it's just like God is speaking all over. And he's, like, he's yelling at me. And I'm just ingesting it all in, like, oh, thank you, Lord. And I come to church, and it's like, oh, man, these songs are amazing. They're connecting with me, and my hands are in the air. And it's just everything is this beautiful time of connection with God, and it just seems like he's he's got so much to say to you, and you're growing, and it's incredible. And soak it all in. It's It's powerful, and you need spring and summer. But how many of you know that summer eventually fades, and it gets into fall? And what happens in fall is things begin to die off, don't they? Things begin to change. What used to be growing out of the ground and and producing incredible, you know, flowers and things, they begin to die off. And eventually they die completely. And fall and winter as a season of the soul is often marked by things like, I don't know where God is. Like I, I continue to show up to try to hear from him and to read his word, but it just seems like he's not showing up one bit. For me. And you show up to church and you're like, I don't, I mean, I used to show up and love worship. But for some reason I show up now and it's like I can just could care less and I don't know why. I'm just not into it anymore. Fall and winter is often that kind of feeling, that kind of experience of God. And here is the point that I'm trying to make to you tonight. This is what I want you to get tonight is that that is okay. Much like the conversation I said in the beginning that I have with people and I just say, relax. I say that because I wanna go, it's okay. It's okay to be in different seasons because here's why. Each season bears different fruit. And so God, listen closely, I'm wrapping up. I'm almost done. God will take you through different seasons because there's different fruit that can get produced in you that could not get produced in other seasons. For instance, the fruit of faithfulness Do you know what happens when you go into a time of life where you feel like God isn't answering any of your prayers and you're wondering if he's even there and he's not speaking to you and his word doesn't make sense and prayer is boring and the spiritual disciplines are more like a chore than they are something that you enjoy? Do you know what gets produced in that kind of season? Can you be faithful, the fruit of faithfulness? Can you be faithful to follow him even when you can't feel him? You see, winter will produce fruits that oftentimes spring and summer can't. And there are things that will get produced in you through a spring and summer season like joy. And I would just say, man, soak it all in, like love the joy, love that season that you're in, and just breathe it in for all that it has. Partly because one day, you know what's coming? Fall. And you will need to lean back on the joy that you once had to get you through a fall and winter. And God brings us through different seasons on purpose to produce different fruits in us. And this is helpful individually for each of you because you can embrace faith is a journey, man. And, you, and if you can understand where you're at in a season, then you can understand the fruit that God's wanting to produce in you. And you can understand how to navigate that season that you're in. So that's where we're going with the next few weeks is I wanna talk specifically about each season and what to do if that's where you're at and what to soak in and what to watch out for. So it's helpful for us individually, but it's also massively helpful for us corporately Because you may show up here tonight and you're in spring and summer like you just got saved and everything is like lit up for you and you are experiencing the glory of God like you never have. And you're soaking it in and you're standing right next to someone who's like, yeah, 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 I used to be like that, but I don't just not there anymore. And I want to say there's times that we get ourselves into seasons and so there's wisdom for like, hey, maybe you've brought yourself into a winter because your life is riddled with sin and there's different things like that. There's wisdom in that. But sometimes it's like, no, I still love God and I want to follow him and I want to worship him, but it's just not there. And you could be standing right next to that person. And so if you understand the seasons, then you just go, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I know what it's like. I've been through that too. Let's just keep going together. Let's just keep worshiping together. Let's just keep showing up together. Let's just keep being faithful. And let's ask God to produce fruit in us in whatever season that we're in. You may be in winter. I'm in spring. It's okay. God has something for us in every single season. So my challenge for us tonight is wherever you're at, With how you are experiencing God right now, wherever you're at on the spectrum, number one is this. God always wants to mature you. It is his desire for you to mature. And the process that he will take you through to mature you often involves you going through different seasons. So, whatever season you're in. Embrace it for what it is. Embrace it for what it is. And that's where we're going for the next few weeks. And here is my closing prayer for us. As Best comes out of the band, we're going to close in worship in just a little bit. But here is what I am praying that God will do in us and through us as a community. Listen closely. Statesboro, Georgia, and Georgia Southern do not need Just a bunch of people who are in spring and summer. They don't. They need spring and summer, people. There's things that you bring to us as a community, and we need that. So if you're in that, then let's go. We need you in this. But I'm telling you what your community needs, what Georgia Southern needs, what Statesboro needs, is both spring and summer and fall and winter. People. People who can say, hey... I'm in a winter season right now. Like, I I haven't heard from God. I don't, like, nothing in his word is making sense to me. It just feels like he's quiet right now. I know he's near. Thank you for telling me that, Rachel. But, like, he doesn't seem near. But even through that, my eyes are fixed on you, Jesus. And my heart and my hope is tethered to the fact that I know you are bringing me through this. And there's something that you want to teach me and grow in me even through the winter season. So what we need is people across the spectrum of maturity and across the spectrum of seasons to come together as a group and then to burn, to literally burn for Jesus Christ to burn for him. I've been kind of just marinating on this scripture in Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, it says this, and this is what I've been praying for each and every one of you. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. My prayer for all of us as we begin 2024 and as we look at this next semester that we're going into is that we would be lights on a hill, burning bright. In fact, I I don't mean to embellish scripture here. It is truth. But in fact, I want more than a light. I want more than a lamp. I want to be like a bonfire, like a raging fire that is burning bright for Jesus. Amen. Anybody else want that? That's who I want. I was reading uh, reading this quote by John Wesley. He says this. He says, Light yourself on fire with passion. And people will come from miles to watch you burn. If you will light yourself on fire with passion in whatever season that you're in, spring, summer, fall, winter, wherever you're at, if you'll light yourself on fire and just say, Lord, I want to burn for you, then people will come from miles away to be close. Listen to me. When it's cold outside, you don't have to convince someone to come close to a fire, they're coming. It brings heat, brings warmth. And many of us are worried about evangelism strategies and I don't know how to share my faith and I'm not sure what to say and I'm not sure how to like talk about the gospel and I get it and we should grow in that. But your greatest evangelism strategy is that you would burn for him. That you would burn with passion through every season. People often ask us, you know, what is, what is Connection College's evangelism strategy? Like, like, how do you guys reach others? And you, ugh, this is embarrassing. You know what our strategy is? You. I, like, I got, I got nothing. I got nothing but you. I don't have a clever plan. I don't have a, a, a you know, a, a written out document business plan for how we're going to go reach Statesboro. I really don't. know what my plan is? You. Because if you will decide that whatever season you are in that you will burn for him, then I promise you nothing, nothing can stop what God wants to do. So my challenge, my encouragement for us is will you Will you set yourself ablaze and burn? Like, I don't don't know what you got planned this semester. I don't know what you got planned the next few months. I know you got probably busy academic schedules, busy athletic schedules, busy busy stuff. I get it. Greek life is going crazy. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. But what if, what if, You set yourself on fire wherever God has you in the maturity process to burn for him. And watch, watch what he will do. If you're in spring and summer and you're just oozing with passion for God and zeal for his word and worship, then go ahead and burn, my friend. If you're in a fall and a winter and you haven't heard from God, much less felt his presence in a long time, then go ahead and burn, my friend. Burn. And watch what God does when lots of many bonfires start popping up. And people go, I don't know what's happening over there down in Statesboro, Georgia. But there are young adults that are on fire for Jesus. And it's now going outside of Statesboro, and it's going back to their hometowns, and then they're graduating, and it's going all over the state, and then it's going all over the southeast, and it's going all over the world as young adults burn for him. So I think I would just invite you tonight to just open your hands and say, Lord... Right here where I'm at. Right here in the joy and the complexities of the season that I'm in. I want to burn for you. So set me ablaze, Lord. Set me ablaze. So Father, I pray that you would do just that for us, that we would not be a group marked by old flames (laughs) that have been put out, would not be a group marked by just a little tiny candle here and there. But we would be a group marked by people who have said, Lord, I'm all yours. Set me ablaze. Let me burn for you. In whatever season, in whatever stage of maturity, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And God, as we do that, we pray right now on the very first night as we gather, that you would send us a great move of your spirit amongst us. Lord, we need you. We need you. We need something more than just cute little songs and cute little sermons. God, we need you. We need your power. and God, we need you to change to change our community, to change our school, to change our friends, to change our neighbors. Lord, and would you start by changing us? God, we want to see you. We want to see you come. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.